0: Greetings from Dallas, Texas. This is Amy Blazik for the Senior Care Pharmacist Podcast. My guest today is Editor-in-Chief of the Senior Care Pharmacist, Dr. Chris Alderman. He's written an editorial on the most recent issue entitled The Alternate Pandemic, and he joins me today. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Alderman.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Amy. How are you today?
0: So I'm just going to jump right in with the title being The Alternate Pandemic. Certainly, that's going to get a lot of people's attention. But what do you feel is the most valuable role for the geriatrics-focused pharmacist with this alternate pandemic?
1: Well, Amy, I mean, the the alternate pandemic that I'm referring to, and the people who read the editorial will eventually come to realize this, is, is I'm talking about diabetes. And diabetes is, is such a widespread illness state these days. And I, I have to say, when I was researching this piece of information, I was, I was genuinely shocked at how quickly and how uh, how internationally the the uh, the pandemic if you like of diabetes is spreading so the projections are that before very long there's going to be something like half a billion people worldwide living with diabetes so the reality is that every pharmacist um that is is working in healthcare is going to have a lot of contact with people who have um, diabetes, and ironically, it's uh, it's coming up for around about a hundred years since the the folk in in Canada actually uh, pioneered treatment with with insulin. So it wasn't. It was actually in 1921 that the first child with type one diabetes was given a dose of insulin, and I think you know it's illustrative of how far we've come in that 100 years that now of course instead of being effectively an incurable disease that that would kill children early we're now able to give uh, people with type 1 diabetes or indeed type 2 diabetes insulin so we every, every pharmacist is going to have contact with people with diabetes and there are so many different roles the pharmacists can, can play to um, to promote wellness, to prevent disease, to circumvent the important drug-related problems that we see amongst people with, with diabetes, and so what I'm hoping that the editorial and indeed the, the broader content of the of the edition that's coming will do is raise awareness of, of some of those roles to make people think about uh, what they can be doing to contribute to the care of people who are touched by diabetes in their everyday life
0: absolutely um i think it's it's definitely one of those one of those disease states that you can't walk into a nursing facility or any any venue of care where we're where we're treating older adults um you simply you simply can't avoid it so how do you think pharmacists can best advocate for important changes to chronic care disease states and 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 i would say within this context, especially you know diabetes. <sighs>
1: Well, of course, I mean, we're all very focused with, with great justification on the COVID-19 pandemic at the moment, and it's easy to forget the impact that that pandemic has had on the routine medical care that's provided for older people with uh, with with lots of different chronic conditions, including diabetes. And so... The reality is, of course, that people with diabetes take a lot more medication than people who don't have diabetes. And as a result of that, they are by definition at far greater risk for medication-related problems. And this is important because although we know that we can effectively treat diabetes and some of its complications using pharmacotherapy, The downside of that is that consistently all of the research shows us that the drugs that are used for the management of diabetes are systematically overrepresented amongst the drugs that cause iatrogenic harm. So ironically, uh, if you're treated with insulin or oral hypoglycemics, uh, the reality is you are statistically much more likely to find yourself admitted to hospital, or indeed to have uh, other serious problems associated with your medications. Uh, so we, we see a lot of that in the tertiary care setting, in, in hospitals, and, of course, in long-term care facilities as well, where there are so many people affected by by diabetes that the use of the medications is so widespread. So it's always important for pharmacists to to keep in mind that when they're dealing with uh, with patients who are affected by, by diabetes, they need to be on the lookout for the complications that we associate with with the medicines that are used for the management of diabetes. Now, sometimes those complications are relatively easy to see. It's difficult to ignore the person who has, for example, um, recurrent hypoglycemia and uh sustained serious medical complications because of that but sometimes the the medication related problems are are less easy to visualize so if i take for example one of the one of the most prescribed drugs that we use for the treatment of diabetes which is metformin uh, there are a whole suite of things to concern ourselves with in relation to older people who are treated with metformin. Of course, we need to be cognizant of the fact that the kinetics of, of metformin change uh, as we get older, and particularly for people who have impaired renal function, which is so common amongst older people. But equally, there are other things. For example, you know, vitamin B12 deficiency, uh, which is one of the things that we we tend to overlook. But there's a strong relationship between treatment with metformin and B12 deficiency. So pharmacists have a different lens over this. They look at things from a different perspective. And I think this is an area in which pharmacists can bring their unique knowledge set, that hybrid consideration that comes from knowing all of those disciplines, the pharmacokinetics, the pharmacology, the pharmacodynamics, the pharmacoepidemiology, maybe pharmacogenomics, understanding of how all of this integrates with the dynamics of the illness state you can see it doesn't take long to illustrate what a unique perspective pharmacists bring to their their aspect of contributing to diabetes care for older people
0: for sure i think one of the one of the I would say the big areas that when when I go into a nursing facility with my students, one of the one of the big areas that we will tend to address is the use of sliding scale insulin. And so I think, you know, if if that is sort of brought anything to my attention, it's that there's a lot of overtreatment and and what I like to to jokingly call unnecessary bloodletting (laughs) because of the the four times daily finger sticks on these on these frail elders it's like what are, what exactly are we getting with all of these all of these finger sticks
1: well it's interesting because i think also when when we get to the older years when we when we're dealing with older people who are in their seventh eighth and ninth decades of life we also need to start thinking about what our treatment objectives are and just how assertive we want to be with some disease states. So there's reasonable evidence now um, to say that if we overdo the enthusiasm with which we approach the management of diabetes for older people, we could indeed do almost as much harm as we do good. So perhaps, you know, it's a reasonable moment for an older person to consider how tight we'd like glycemic control to be and what are the downsides from having really tough strict glycemic control certainly yes maybe you'll avoid some microvascular and, and macrovascular complications but the question of course is you know how relevant is that for a, for an older person relative to a younger person so if you're dealing with a person in their 40s having strict tight Control of their glycemic um, profile delivers a benefit that can be realised over several decades. If you're dealing with a person whose life expectancy might reasonably be measured in, you know, in months, the question is how how assertive do you really want to be in the way you approach the management to their diabetes? And the same goes for things like their blood pressure. And so we we need to constantly revisit. And adjust our approach to the pharmacotherapy plans that we implement for older people and this is a this is an area in which pharmacists can really be active and can have discussions with prescribers and nursing staff and and to pause and, and think carefully about what we're trying to achieve.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So looking more broadly at the upcoming issue, um, what do you think are some of the best pieces of advice readers can get from the journal this month? What are what are some things that, you, that you're looking forward to getting out there this month?
1: Look, there's a couple of interesting pieces coming up. There's always a couple. Interesting pieces are coming up. I'm very, I'm very happy with what I see coming through the journal yeah. content. But there's a couple of particularly interesting pieces for me. There's a bit of a focus in this particular edition about visits to the ED um, for particularly for older people, and I think this is something that we can lose sight on that one of the riskiest times in a person's life from a healthcare perspective is at interfaces of care. So when a person's coming into hospital from a community-based setting or from a long-term care facility or when they're returning to a long-term care facility or to communicate community-based care after an episode of hospitalisation, we do know that um, this is a moment where things go wrong with people's medications, where there's a high risk for medication misadventure, where adverse drug reactions and drug interactions are very common. So, again, I feel that this, uh, this edition of the journal highlights uh, the, the potential for drug-related harm amongst those, those people at the interface of care. I think, I think perhaps, you know, that we can overlook that. And, and so looking down the path, thinking beyond what you see in front of you today and thinking about what could unfold down the path next week, next month, um, as a result of the changes that uh, are made in the ED uh, is an important thing to be having front of mind if you're a, a consultant pharmacist, a senior care pharmacist too, and who's dealing with older people. So if you like, you know, conceptualise it this way. Today's visit to the ED um, to manage an episode of pneumonia might translate into destabilisation of diabetes courtesy of the corticosteroids that have been prescribed. Or perhaps the antibiotics that have been prescribed to manage a chest infection could translate into a catastrophic bleed in a person who's anticoagulated for atrial fibrillation, which we know to be so common amongst older people. So it's it's a matter of thinking forward. And, and trying to accommodate those uh, those effects that are if you like the knock-on effects of changes that happen in the ED. So we've got some we've got an, an editorial discussing this and there's some research that's been published as well and I, and I think really you know this is a this is an important theme for people to take on board. The other piece that's coming up in this edition of the journal I think is, is quite fascinating, and that relates to um, medication use in the setting of Ramadan. Um, so if you're not of the Islamic faith, it may not be high on your on your radar, but in fact the month of Ramadan has just passed for the Islamic community and in fact they're celebrating or have just celebrated Eid, um, the breaking of the of the fast and uh, the celebrations that go on in the Islamic community. And, of course, you know, living in an international society the way we do in, in places like the United States and, and other other countries, we can expect to encounter people of Islamic faith and we can expect that the practices involved in Ramadan where there are modified uh, rules about when a person can eat and drink and indeed, um, there are rules about medications need to be taken on board. And in, ironically, given the conversation we earlier had, one of the most important accommodations that need to be made relates to diabetes. So you can imagine if you radically change your intake of food and drink for one month a year, and and then all of a sudden go back to your previous patterns of eating and drinking and perhaps even Change your pattern of eating and drinking temporarily during the celebrations period, all of this has a very significant impact on glycemic management and diabetes um, around that time. So, we're fortunate to have had uh, a contribution from some senior pharmacy academics who are practicing in uh, countries in different parts of the world where, of course. Uh, Islam is is a much more prevalent um, form of worship than perhaps um, in in some western countries and the insight that those people have provided for us has been really helpful I believe
0: Absolutely I think you know you never you never know who you're going to who you're going to run into and and what kind of drug information questions so I think that's going to be a really valuable piece I'm looking forward to that I guess last, while I've got you on the line, I'd love to hear about how yeah. these first few months as editor-in-chief have been going for you. It's been a couple of months since you and I have spoken. So how's, how's it going?
1: Look, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying being involved. I, uh, I've i always had a longstanding respect for, for the journal, and to be honest with you, I never thought I'd see the day uh, where I'd be in this position, so I feel very fortunate to have been given the opportunity. It's been a really interesting and challenging role to take on but of course no one saw coming uh, what has happened during the first months of my tenure as editor in chief <laughs> and of course who who knew that I'd be taking this uh, this job on in the middle of a world changing pandemic you know this this whole situation that uh, that we're right in the middle of as we speak is a once in a century thing that will impact us all certainly for the rest of my working life probably for the rest of my children's lifetime so it's 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 been challenging because of that but look it's been reassuring as well for me to see that the the community around the journal have uh, remained engaged and remained contributing and look one of the things we just recently did was to issue a call for contributions to the journal, and I can only emphasise that again. Um, people, this is your journal. This is this is the journal where your tribe can publish. And so I'm really hoping that people take on board that uh, that opportunity and to think of the senior care pharmacist as a destination to send their research to. To publish their their thoughts and their and their observations, the journal carries a diverse range of content, and so obviously we're very keen to see contributions that describe original research. Uh, and and I and I'm very much wanting people to to consider the journal as a destination to publish their research, but equally I am very interested to to hear of ideas and and propositions for publications. That do things like describing models of practice. You know, how have you accommodated the challenges that we're all facing now in the way you deliver care for older people? What are the special challenges that you're seeing amongst older people with respect to their drug therapy? Have you seen unique issues arise in the context of the current pandemic? We're very keen to hear about case reports and the like. Um, so there are lots of opportunities for the readership of the senior care pharmacist to get involved and to to publish. And I would say to people, put your toe in the water. If you've never published before, this is a great opportunity um, to, to get out there and to uh, put your work in front of the world. So I'd like to sort of reinforce that notion
0: for sure i it's funny um anytime i hear a wacky case report or a student you know will say oh well i wish i knew more about this i'm like let's write something and i will say that i use your my, opportunity yeah yep. yep and my, my husband is a senior care pharmacist too so anytime he talks about something wacky i'm like oh my gosh you've got to publish it <laughs> oh
1: and he's like wait well- you know, so many things have changed. So yeah. many things have changed. And, you know, I mean, even just the way we interact with our patients now has has changed too. So, you know, there are so many opportunities.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me from, from Adelaide, South Australia. You're coming to us live from Wednesday morning. Here I am on Tuesday night. So. <laughs> <laughs> So don't, don't tell us how it, how it turns out. I'm
1: drinking my morning coffee and I'm enjoying it.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you again. So my guest was editor-in-chief of the senior care pharmacist, Dr. Chris Alderman. And I'm Amy Blazik. It's been my, my joy to share this time with you and we'll talk to you later.
1: Thank you very much, Amy.